backboard banter on the board with your hosts Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the banter's as ferocious as the Toronto Raptors exit interviews. Man, I can't believe that we got ousted, but hey, man, it was a good season all in all. Great season from the boys. Sad to have it end, but hey, we didn't get swept. That's the important thing. But yeah, those pressers, our our team, our staff members, our players. They're ready. They're itching. They've seen the success of this season, and they're ready to get back in the gym and start grinding for next year. Man, got to love to see that, but it was just so tough, man. Uh, We'll talk about it a little bit in Raptors chat, but buddy, Luca comes through. He says bye-bye to the Jazz for you. I mean... Bogdanovich did help you out a little bit. <laughs> I mean, in my mind, I was like, oh, you know, maybe we'll get a sweet Luka buzzer beater shot to end. Nah, he hit the game-winning shot, but then, you know, a couple of seconds later when the Jazz had their chance, they just brick an absolutely open three. What a perfect way for this iteration of the Jazz roster to potentially blow up to potentially end, but we'll get into that later once we get into it. Man, I can't believe that we could be looking at the end of the Jazz. Too bad that uh, nobody could force a Game 7. My Pelicans, man, they fall short in Game 6. Uh, they put up a valiant fight, though. Those Phoenix Suns, man, looking real good now that Devin Booker's back. That they are, but those Pelicans, they're a, a scary young roster for the future. As usual, the NBA's in a great place. Playoff basketball has been great. We'll get to it a little bit, because first we got to start off with the NHL, because those playoffs just began. My Calgary boys, we go up 1-0 after beating down the stars very very simple game but apparently massive brawls 48 minutes worth of penalties given out like something was going on Jeez, i mean that kachuk fight was pretty funny um i honestly didn't think that he hit klingberg like in an aggressive manner but i guess raffle was just kind of over it at that point um and then the fact that anderson and klinberg get into it i mean it was a spirited tilt for sure um and calgary did get the dub so they got that one nothing series lead just like the score but it's only one game you know the toronto maple leafs are are pumped up they got a five nothing win over tampa um (laughs) But I I'll always remember this Crosby quote. It doesn't matter if you lose seven nothing or one nothing. Um, it's just worth one game. So you got to figure out a way to come back and win the series. I mean, Boston's thinking the same thing. Minnesota's thinking the same thing after they lost pretty handedly to the St. Louis Blues and and um, Carolina Hurricanes respectively. But man, last night. Kale McCarr just makes an unreal play to make it 4 nothing. This kid is so good at hockey. I have no idea how he wasn't playing in a major junior hockey league. How he got drafted out of, like, high school hockey in Vancouver wow. is just ridiculous. At fourth overall, and to be over a point-per-game player in his career is just nuts. A great goal from a great player in a game where the Avalanche absolutely destroyed. But, hey, again... It's only one game. The record gets wiped clean. You get to move on after that. Exactly, man. Uh, a grueling game that was basically 2-1, and one, though. The New York-Pittsburgh game, absolutely wild. New York up 2 nothing and blows the lead. Um, unfortunately for them, Malkin gets the winner in overtime. Great selly by him. They had like 142 shot attempts Pittsburgh did in that game. Like, that is Wild. Well, didn't they have to bring in their, like, third-string goalie as well in, like, the second OT because their second-string goalie got injured in the middle of the game? So, like, 
credit to both of those teams for withstanding an Iron Man like performance because didn't the New York goaltender stop like 80 shots or something like a wild game 79 <laughs> of 83 shots like that is absolutely insane I mean New York did also get 67 or 68 of their own but still man like crazy crazy that's what happens when you go to triple overtime i guess but it doesn't look like they slowed down in overtime man they just kept shooting the puck and trying to try to get those goals i mean they just wanted to get out of there at that point you get to triple ot and everyone's just tired you just want the puck to hit the back of the net so the game can be over but hey pretty exciting start you know with just game ones in the book now yeah absolutely man game ones are done for almost every single series and now it's it's going game two tonight you know those Leafs looking to get that two nothing series lead um man I honestly think they're gonna win the Stanley Cup just because of all the bad karma I've said this before and I'll say it again Montreal fans were too mean to them it's probably going to be the trauma Leafs. I mean hey they still gotta get past this dynastic defending champs but hey they, they, they won what, 5 nothing to open it, so I think they're pretty confident. But, hey, there's going to be lots more hockey to talk about. We're going to get to break down more series as they come. And next round, Matt, I'll start giving my predictions for series beforehand because, you know, I'm already I'm a little too late to start giving my mystic. Kevin knows nothing but is going to come up with the right answer predictions. <laughs> hey, man, we'll, we'll get to it. Uh, we'll see if we can predict the second round. Uh, playoffs just came up really fast on us, and, you know, wasn't really into the NHL without Montreal, so I'm just excited to talk about the NBA playoffs because round one is over, and uh, we're into round two now, and after last night's slate of games, I think it's going to be a very, very spicy round. I mean, we talked about how this NBA playoffs was potentially going to be one of the best that we've seen in years because of parity, and this was six months ago, and now we're here, we're into the playoffs, the favorites are gone, you know, some of the other favorites are struggling here and there, and the second round was exciting, but I feel like we got to take a step back. We got to talk about the end of those series to discuss some of the teams that are gone. You mentioned it right off the rip that Suns Pels series, one that turned really interesting, and a lot of people had no faith in the Pelicans to start. But this team is young; they're hungry, but they couldn't pull it out, man. The Suns have the series victory as they should, as the number one seed. Dude, I mean, they got enough, especially from Chris Paul in that last game. Oh, man. 14 of 14. The guy was unbelievable. Um, with 33 points, he was just too much. Most of them were middies. Like, he was just hitting his spots and carrying that squad. Um, definitely, you know, you mentioned it was going to be a CP3 Legacy Series, and he definitely put um, a stamp on it for sure. I, mean, I only mentioned it because that's just been the conversation of the media. Everyone has been like, this is all about CP3 now. He's got to get them through it. I mean, Booker did come back and was, was major, but that close to the series for him was CP3 just being like, guys, come on, you know who I am. I'm Chris Paul. This is what I do at this point. And, you know, he's in that situation with this team where he has an opportunity to go all the way. The Suns have the opportunity if it comes together. And, you know, for his storied career, if he can get them to the promised land, especially after games like this, oh, that'll be good for Chris Paul. Well, I loved at the end, too, when he was um, talking to the reporter after the game and kind of he, you could tell how emotional he was because it was in New Orleans, you know, the house that he built. Um, and it was it was very big for him, you know, and he was talking about how the city raised him and how he has so much love for the city. Um, 
but to do it to them like that, man, 14 <laughs> yeah. of 14 is just ridiculous. The fact that Aiton was also 10 of 12, and they combined for 55 points on 24-26, I mean, that's just unheard of efficiency, and when you have that, you're most likely not going to lose the game. They did a good job. They closed out the series as they're supposed to, you know, being the number one seed, but... There's not much more that I really need to mention. Like, I look at this Pels team, and the interesting conversation is the fact that Zion's like, oh, yeah, I'll sign that extension, no problem. And the front office is like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're focused on Zion getting healthy. We're not talking about contract extensions. And I'm like, come on, guys. What are you doing? Well, man, apparently he was going to play in Game 7 if they got there. Um, He has looked healthy in the videos. He's got to really take care of his body this summer and come in next season prepared to kind of go off if i was new orleans i'd probably sign him to the contract extension uh just because he seems so willing to do it and with that young core man they've got a good chance to do some damage next year in the western conference the other side of that coin and signing that contract is you know maybe new orleans is scared that oh we signed this contract and then he wants out okay cool barring a like career ending injury the package that you're gonna get for an unhappy second year supermax zion williamson will be greater than anything we've ever seen so sign under the contract guys it's gonna be a win-win even if it's a lose because he leaves like just sign under the contract the team is good they're young and they're ready to go just sign him absolutely man i would definitely give him the bag um he's totally worth it um but you know the other game that happened that night that we're going to talk about uh, right away is the Dallas Jazz game ending on that missed by uh, Bogdanovich. I couldn't believe he missed such a wide open shot, but some players just kind of get in their own head when it's that wide open. The fact that Luka didn't even have like a fabulous game by his standards, 8 of 21 shooting is, is not a great performance. Um, the Jazz, man, if I'm them, I just blow it up. That, I mean, that's the conversation of the moment. Everyone is talking about where this player and that player is going to go. I mean, we already knew that Rudy and Mitchell didn't have a great relationship, but apparently the rumors are coming out that it's extra strain and that Mitchell's been like, it's him or me, someone has to go. Like, It's classic end-of-season rumor mills, right, Matt? But at the end of the day, the Jazz are in such a weird place because if you get rid of Gobert, the defensive scheme that you have built for years doesn't have its main defender anymore and if you get rid of Mitchell well you just got rid of a really good young shooting piece like the Jazz man they're in such a weird spot but we've seen it coming they couldn't break through yes they had all this regular season success but the playoffs man it just hasn't been their bread and butter and it's going to be really interesting to see what they do they're just not a team built for the playoffs man Um, Donovan Mitchell is an absolute stud and year in year out can carry you to the playoffs i just don't think that around him they have enough the fact that he doesn't get along with rudy gobert just kind of accentuates the fact that they do need to blow it up i just don't know what you're going to get back for a guy like gobert with his contract his offensive deficiencies are you going to be able to replace him on the defensive end probably not so it might be better off to trade both and just kind of restart from scratch in the draft at this point um, I know that's probably tough for you know jazz fans to hear, but they've got to do it, man, because right now what they're doing is they're peddling in 
in mediocrity Absolutely. and that's purgatory in the NBA and if you stay in mediocrity for too long you're going to waste the careers of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and they kind of already have of Gobert you know he's p- pushing the wrong side of 30 at this point um, so let's hope that they can you know do right by Mitchell and get him to a situation where he can thrive and actually you know win some playoff series I mean, I'm a little sad because, you know, when they made the Mike Conley trade, I was excited. I was like, oh, this could be the answer, you know, getting a, a ball-dominant role. Mitchell could just shoot. Gobert can have a true pick-and-roll friend, you know? But <laughs> it just has not come together, and uh, it's just so ironic for them to end their season. And if they do blow up, to end their entire team's playoff grouping run on a missed open three, like, Jazz fans, I'm so sorry for you right now, but hey, Maybe you'll get a good draft pick. Maybe a couple years from now, things will be back. We'll see. Well, last year they had the best record in the NBA because they would hit those threes. And then in the playoffs, they got ousted because those threes dried up. So it's it's just poetic, man. Like you said, it's it's perfect way to end it. Um, not for Jazz fans, but obviously for, for Dallas fans. Unfortunately, though, they have to play the, the Phoenix Suns the next round. And Phoenix is showing that even on a Luka, I think, 47-point game, not enough. Yeah, pretty wild how that series started. Let's really quickly touch Grizz, J- Grizz and Wolves before we get into the second round because we haven't mentioned the fact that the T-Wolves dropped so many games. I know you're excited about the second round and I want to talk about it, but, man, this team collapsed royally this season. Buddy, the fact that they had three double-digit leads heading into the fourth quarter and blew all three of those just kind of reiterates my point from last week that this team plays mindless basketball. They make childish mistakes on the court that they should not be making as professionals. Um, you got to close those games out, man. You've got great players in Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. You've got a number two overall pick in D'Angelo Russell. You've got good pieces around them. Just close these games out. They're the first team that should have won the series easily and got beat in six. The thing that frustrates me about the Wolves is I think that regardless of who they would... Like, you could have put any other opponent against them, and they probably still would have lost. It would have been the same result. But the Grizzlies, at least you had this, like, two young college-like cores that are going to battle that could have been an opportunity for the T-Wolves but they they really fell apart at the end of the day and you know you can put the onus on Cat who doesn't have a lot of experience you can put you can say it was Anthony Edwards's fault but again he has no experience you can say D'Lo played poorly which he shot very poorly in the series but at the end of the day it's got to be a committee thing the whole team just collapsed and they proved that they weren't ready for the postseason and they're going to have to come back next year and and change that narrative because that's the only thing that I'm going to see until they prove me wrong yeah, man, absolutely. It's going to be the only thing um, that's going to prove everybody wrong if they can. And I don't know if they can because the Grizz, like you said, were probably their best option at doing it. They're a young team that they could have beaten, they could have taken advantage of. Um, I think the longest tenured you know, Grizzly player that actually is having an impact on the roster is Dylan Brooks, and he was drafted in 1718. Um, they're all new players. They're all fresh, young guys. Um, but they apparently have a winning mentality that the Wolves just don't, man. And it sucks for the the T Wolves, but hey, man, they're out of here, and we'll see them next year. I mean, I look as I look as Anthony Edwards as a player who 
when he has, you know, when he's in his third year, like Ja is, when he gets to that point, when he's had some years under him, he could be that guy like Ja is being. So I think the two of us are just, you know, they're still, I, I can say young because Anthony Edwards is my like staple point to look at for this team. But, you know, I don't see them faltering and completely falling apart next year. Like I can still see them being a good team that's going to compete, but this was a good opportunity to get some playoff, you know, success under their belts and the mentality might be a little broken still. Well, I think everyone was so excited about Carl Anthony Towns when he came to Minnesota and that they believed that he was going to be the true number one that this team has kind of lacked and needed. And they thought Andrew Wiggins was going to be a nice two. Yeah. Um, and they got rid of Levine. They got rid of, you know, Wiggins. They got rid of Butler. But I think right now with Anthony Edwards, they do finally have that number one guy. So I don't expect them to take a step back next year because I expect Anthony Edwards to take a step forward and I expect that team to take a step forward and Cat's role to come back a little bit at this point. Because it just, I think that Anthony Edwards is going to be your leading guy for the foreseeable future and Cat's going to have to fall into that kind of 1B role. Because um, he proved it, man, that like his whole playoff career, his playoff performances, they're not great. It'll be interesting, right? Can they become the Devin Booker Aiton type of combo that we see in Phoenix, right? Who's a who's a Chris Paul away from being a an actual contending team, right? It's gonna be interesting to see where the T Wolves go from here. But man, I think that's enough for me for the first round. I think we can get into the second round now. I'd like to stay in the West, but I'm gonna give you the opportunity. Do you want to stick talking about the Grizzlies, or do you want to talk about Phoenix? No, nah, man, I want to talk about Suns Mavs. I was trying to get there. Luca had that 45-point game in the first one. Um, the rest of the Mavs can't hit a shot to save their lives. And Phoenix comes out handedly with that victory. I don't think, you know, it was ever really in doubt. The final score kind of indicates that it might have been close, but... Nah, not to me, man. Phoenix controlled that start to finish. They have too many guys who can do damage, and Luka's just not enough as a one-man team. I said it last week. I've been saying it to you. Dinwiddie has to go off to be you know, useful in the series, and the guy was a dud in Game 1. He really was. The Mavs, they let Luka down, but unfortunately, you're, you're facing... Phoenix. And I'm pretty sure Chris Paul started the game like 9 for 9 to continue his streak from the end of round 1. So, unfortunately, but... you were up against, you know, a very very difficult challenge, but I'm not going to count the Mavs out just yet, right? It was a 121-114 game. Was kind of close, but I'm worried. I'm definitely worried because if Luka doesn't keep doing this every game and we get a 30-point game out of Dinwiddie, we get a 30-point game out of Brunson, Scary times ahead. Man, when Maxi Kleba is your second leading scorer in the game, you know that something's going wrong. I mean, he was 5 of 8 from deep, which is pretty nice, but like they couldn't take advantage of a, of a bad shooting performance by Devin Booker. Um, Aiton was able to feed. Um, Chris Paul was able to go in. And they've just got so many different players that are just going to be too too much for Dallas, I think. And I think that at the end of the day, like, They've got different defensive options that they can throw at a guy like Doncic yeah. in Bridges, in Crowder. Um, you know, they can throw Devin Booker at him every once in a while, and he might be up to the task. So I just, I don't see this Dallas roster having enough. And the fact that you're like, we need a, a 30 point from Dinwiddie and, and Brunson is not 
you know, convincing enough. Exactly. The Suns are too deep, man. But I got to bring it back to Maxi Kleba because I don't know if you saw the fall that he took on the the alley oop from Luca. The guy took did a dunk and then tried to hold on to the rim and then just like flipped onto his back because he couldn't. Scary, scary fall. But yeah, Maxi Kleba was knocking down shots. I think he's gonna continue to knock down shots in this series because of that matchup with him and Aiden. But man, Luca, I'm sorry, dude. This is tough for you. Yeah, he's just. It's just too much, man. 45 points and almost a triple double, and he still lost pretty handedly. Um, it's just going to get worse from here, I think. Look, we um, all saw in the past, we've seen, you know, Jordan's early playoff careers. We've seen LeBron's early playoff careers. We know we've what they went through, but now we're seeing it ourselves with Luka. Kind of wild. Yeah, I, he's got to go through it. Um, just like John Morant's got to go through it. That guy put the team on his back last night with 47 points in a 106-101 victory over Golden State. Uh, Jordan Poole was the story in Game 1, you know, really helping Golden State get that victory. But, man, Klay Thompson couldn't hit a shot last night, and the Grizzlies took advantage. I'm so happy over here because these games happen at, like, you know, 10.30 for Matt. So this guy doesn't get to stay up late to watch these. And the two endings to Golden State Memphis have been fantastic. Fantastic! I'm very happy over here, kind of on the West Coast, with the opportunity to to get to watch these games. I mean, the closeout to Game One with Clay missing two free throws and then hitting a three pointer in redemption arc for it. Jaw missing the layup. There's been so many things about this series. I don't even know where to start, man. Dude, after the first game, I really thought Golden State kind of had it in the bag. Um, I felt that game was pretty well controlled by Memphis for, for most of it. And that, you know, Steph Curry was off. Klay Thompson was off. Um, you know, Draymond Green gets ejected in the first game, which I don't really agree with that ejection. I think it was kind of a basketball play, and he does hold them up, but that's a different story. Um, and then Klay Thompson missing those free throws at the end, and they still can't pull out the game, Memphis. I thought this was it. I thought that was kind of the series indicator and, and what's going to go on. But, you know, John Morant really coming out and I still think that Golden State's going to win this series because you know, John Morant going to drop 47 points every game probably not and so if they still were in a tight game you know down to the wire and John Morant's got to score 15 straight points for Memphis in order for them to have a chance to win that game so we'll see man but I got to still lean Golden State with this you know your comments about how you thought the series was over in the first game was resonating with me, especially when three minutes into game two, Dylan Brooks gets ejected. And Dylan Brooks is the main defender on Steph Curry. Now, rightfully ejected, you know. Uh, Gary Payton has a fractured elbow and had to go to the hospital, poor guy. Uh, very dangerous, dangerous play by Dylan Brooks. But, like, you could tell that it was not an intentional dangerous play. It was not a Grayson Allen play. I'm sorry, Grayson Allen. i gotta got to pull that one on you. But I, I'm going to take it back again. But I'm going to say it's been a very physical series and the Grizzlies have been able to fight back I mean Draymond took a hit to the face had to get stitches and his eye was basically closing at halftime he couldn't see for half of this game so it's been awesome to watch this Grizzlies team fight back to keep going I'm proud of Jared Jackson Jr. even though he keeps fouling out out of these games he's playing good defense if it wasn't for Brandon Clark right now who has been a stud to make up for when Jared Jackson gets fouled out the Grizz would be you know dead in the water easily 
Brandon Clark's really showing his value to the NBA right now. He's a key cog for this Memphis team, um, and they're tied 1-1 with you know some of the the best, the, if not the best team in the NBA. So um, Golden State's got their handful with this roster, man. I don't know if if the Grizz will have a chance to pull it out. I, I really think that Golden State's going to go home. They got the split. That's what they needed. Um, so we'll see how it goes in, in uh, San Fran, you know? It's going to be really fun, right? I'm really enjoying the, the Taylor Jenkins, Steve Kerr, mind games, little battles that are happening. It'll be interesting to see with, with Steven Adams coming out of health and safety protocols, if he can start to make an impact because you know, obviously he didn't get to play much in the first round because he could he could not play without bad things happening. But I think against Golden State, he'll fit a little bit better. But again, the small ball of Golden State is scary the way they've been shooting, you know. You were right about saying it was Jordan Poole all the way in Game 1. And even in Game 2, he's been, he's been lights out good for this team. So it's going to be a tough tough battle for the Grizzlies, but I don't want to sell them out just yet. I'm hoping that we'll still get to talk about this series come next week. I'm sure the the series will still be going on, I, with Steven Adams especially, you know, giving them that extra size, because the fact that Andrew Wiggins was Golden State's leading rebounder through round one is not a good sign, um, especially for their height, so I think the bigger Memphis can go, the more pressure they can put on them, uh, especially on the glass. So it's going to be a very, very interesting series. I just, I have a feeling Golden State's going to pull it out. Well, Grizz would have won game one if they could have got a rebound at the end of that game. They would have won it, I'm just saying. And we could be talking about a 2-0 series, but that's the struggle, right? You look at Golden State going back home, being, taking that one game already. Like, I'm scared to see a potential 3-1 returning back to the Grizzlies, but... I can't count out Joe. I have hope for this team, man. Hey, man. I mean, the split is what the the opposing road team is looking to do. Um, Milwaukee got their split, too, with the Game 1 victory. They looked so dominant in that game, forcing uh, the Celtics into, I think, 49 three-point attempts. Um, It was absolutely insane, but the Celtics really came and said, you're going to give us those shots? We're going to take them, and destroyed them in the first half of last night's game. I made this comment to you right before we started. Ime Doku made such a fantastic change up in his team between game one and game two. Because the Bucks have they've played this way all season long. We've seen it. The way that their style works, they enable these shots. And Boston came out and they were not ready. They weren't thinking it. They they were overthinking it at times. The Bucks weren't, weren't right? ready. The I'm talking about game one. I'm saying that the, oh, the, yeah, the yeah. box came out swinging and Boston was not ready. And then it flipped on its head for game two because the Bucks got sleepy and we're like, you know what? We, we, we've had our systems and that's going to be the fun part about this series. And it's why when we were talking about it at the beginning, I was so confident in the Celtics as their potential two upset because of Ime versus Budenholzer, right? It's going to come down to Giannis, Giannis, Giannis if, if the Bucks are going to get through. No, Udoka had a master game plan for Game 2 after what happened in Game 1. Um, and the Bucks were asleep, man. They just thought that Boston was going to roll over and give them this game. Um, especially, you know, Giannis did not shoot very well in the first. He, I think he was like 1 of 10 to start the game. He had a fabulous third quarter, but I mean, it was, it was too little too late. And the fact that they don't have Chris Middleton is, is big in those games when they are down they can't hit the three ball at that you know consistent rate i think they were like what two of 17 last night um milwaukee uh shot three or two three 
three-pointers, whereas Boston had 20. Like, that is a yeah. huge discrepancy, and they're just easy points to get, man, uh, especially when Boston's just knocking it down like that. Grant Williams was an unsung hero last night. The guy plays so well, and it's so good defensively, especially against Giannis. It's crazy to me that, you know, the whole broadcast is like, he's five inches shorter than him. He's five inches shorter than him. He also only weighs five pounds less. So that's the key there. I mean, he just gets his low, low center of gravity. Um, He's big and stocky down in the waist, and and he holds Giannis, man. He can stop him from just bullying him into the basket. So that's huge for Boston. It's a beautiful series. Honestly, we have a beautiful series on our horizon, and... You know, after game one, some of the media was like, oh no, Boston's in trouble, Milwaukee might do it. This is what happens. This is always how it happens. Look at the Raptors championship run when we were down 2-0 to Milwaukee and everyone was like, oh, it's a sweep, it's over, right? There's there's so many things that can change and I'm excited to see where this series go. I need my boy Bobby to actually hit some shots. It was good in game one, not great in game two. Milwaukee has to figure themselves out and come back with a vengeance for Game 3. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if this series is just big back-and-forth game swings where a team comes out with a game plan and isn't ready, and the other team comes out with a game plan the next game, and then they win this and that fourth. Like, it's going to be wild. Well, I think they each saw each other's best punch at this point, yeah. and, you know, Milwaukee knows what it needs to do to be successful, and so does Boston. It's just going to be who can do it more consistently um, the one thing about Boston's keys is that they're relying on a more difficult shot as opposed yes. to the layups and dunks that Milwaukee, you know, relies upon. So is it is it sustainable for Boston to keep going? I would like to say yes, just because of the way that they've been playing. But that, you know, Jalen Brown injury is not great. He was grabbing at his hamstring a lot in the second half last night. He only scored five points in the half after having a, an absolute blistering start to the game. Um, so is that going to be another turning point in the series and, and could be a major loss for them? Is Marcus Smart you know, not playing at 100% in the rotation going to affect their minutes? Because at the end of the day, after what I saw last night, I don't know if I'd put Marcus Smart back in. I think I'd let him rest out i know he's the defensive player of the year but you need your guys at 100 percent. we saw it with freddie man yeah yeah it's it's so hard right and you know a pivotal game three on the horizon i won't be surprised if we see a 114 112 end to this game you know where the the punch from the box the punch from boston and then like the true arm wrestle in game three to try to decide who's gonna take control of this series but at the end of the day this is the basketball that we wanted to see. This is the series that fans were really looking forward to in the second round because as much as, you know, some of these other series, this could happen, that could have happened, everyone expected Boston-Milwaukee in the second round, and we've just been waiting for it. Yeah, and I, and I don't want to have too much of an overreaction to this specific game by Boston because even on last year's playoff, you know, championship run for Milwaukee, They've proven that they get better as the series goes on. Yes. The more that you show them that is your keys to victory, the more that they learn how to beat you. And so I'm really expecting them to come out and take game three. I, I really think Milwaukee's got it. Um, 
But we'll see what happens, man. It's going to be a tight series all the way down to the very end. And that's why most people predicted at seven. That's why I was worried about Boston originally, man. You know, I felt so good after game one being like, what was I worried about? But (laughs) this is what I was worried about. (laughs) That's the thing, right? You can't. You can't fall asleep, especially once you get to the second round of the postseason. These games are so volatile. These teams are so ready and hungry and willing to do what it takes to go all the way. And I don't know, man. I want. I'm sticking with the Bucks because I want to believe in Giannis. But it's a scary time, you know, against these Beantown boys. Yeah, I think if you look at the the roster talent. I'm obviously Milwaukee has the best the best superstar in, in Yanni. Um, but the fact that I think Boston's a deeper squad. Yes. And the fact that the coaching edge, I think, even in his first year, it has to go to Udoka, um, is kind of scary for Milwaukee at this point. This is a twenty nineteen Raptors series for Budenhoser again. At the end of the day, a different team, a different situation, but a rookie head coach with a bunch of guys that are swinging. And a superstar, Kawhi, Jason Tatum, not exactly the same, but the defense that you're going up to... like very similar. This is is what I'm saying. So it's a very big test for Milwaukee. And if they can get through, man, Miami, Philly, more likely Miami, it's going to be a scary conference finals regardless. Horford and Robert Williams are also, you know, been some pretty big trees yes. to for Giannis to get through and are keeping his field goal percentage low, man. I mean, he's shooting in the, the mid-30s. This hasn't happened since he was, you know, in his rookie playoff season. So uh, it's kind of wild to me, you know, before he was Giannis the man, um, that he's kind of shooting this poorly. So brutal my friend brutal number one defense in the league for a reason but i think we've beaten that series enough let's go talk about miami philly which should be miami Raptors. but i'm still a little salty not the point miami (laughs) a very dominant game one victory no kyle no problem james harden looks old man what an interesting series we got ahead of ourselves i just think that miami has way too many guys that can guard James Harden. Like, we, unfortunately, had a bunch of 6'9 guys who could guard James Harden, so he started to figure out, you know, where his matchup and exploitation could be on those 6'9 guys. Yeah. Whereas they've got a lot of, like, 6'6", 6'5", fast, long, twitchy guys that can all switch on to him, you know, from Strauss to Martin to Butler to Adebayo. Um, They've got the keys to it, and... The fact that Embiid isn't going to be available until Game 3, Karma sucks. And uh, I think it could be pretty quick series for Miami if if Philly doesn't figure it out. The fact that Maxi has to be your leading scorer um, or Tobias Harris is not a good sign for Philadelphia in Round 2. I think that Miami has taken that nobody believes in us, even though we are a contender, to like heart. And Bam Adebayo especially has taken that, oh, I wasn't even in the conversation for a defensive player of the year. Like, this team, you know, they've got a fire under them. You know, they had a really good first round, and they walked over the Hawks, and now they're here against a battered-up Philadelphia team that just doesn't look ready. They're not prepared for this Miami squad. We talk about heat culture. We talk about Spolster. Me and Matt had a realization of just how long Spolster has been around, and we were like, dang. That's kind of wild, you know, but Miami's ready. They're here to stay, and I mean, I I was joking to Matt earlier about how we could be looking at sweeps, you know, potentially 
in these series in the second rounds. And Miami-Philly, if anyone's going to happen, this looks like the one. If any sweep is going to happen, it's going to be Miami-Philly. I believe in Luka to at least get one game off the Suns. That's mm -hmm. the other one that I think is pretty handedly, you know, in the Suns' favor. I think GS Grizz and Buck Celtics are the two best series of this of this round and are going to be down to the wire, game sevens, you know, last second shots. Who's got it? Who doesn't? Either way, good second round basketball on the horizon. We have to shout out Tyler Hero, unanimous six man of the year. He won by a landslide. I mean, Kevin Love got like three first team votes, so, you know, I'm glad that, you know, at least somebody's listening to me a little bit, but hey, Tyler Hero accepted that six man role for Miami, and he's showing why he's so good at it. Yo, man, Kevin Love probably deserved a little bit more love there yeah. um, just just because he was a key cog coming off the bench for them and one of the reasons why they were so good all year but the number one team in the eastern conference and number three team overall in the nba it's pretty hard to argue with that when uh he's averaging over 20 points a game and was almost their best score all year and this is also his job like literally he shows up and he's like yeah it's my job to come off the bench and put in buckets and, and dumpster the second units you know it's just this is what i do yep and he's he's killing it, man. So good for him. Uh, I think we're done with the second round series, and we can talk about that that sad, sad game six, man. Because the first half we were fighting, and Boucher, man, I'm gonna give massive credit to this man. He was swinging. He was going for it. He was playing so well. Our stars were off. Gary Trent came out swinging, but when Nick Nurse sat him down while he was hot that killed his rhythm that killed his flow and we were never able to really get the scoring touch back and then that third quarter run happened from philly and it was like a blink of an eye and it was over man dude the game was good yes they were talking about gary getting sad and like he was going off in the first quarter and he lost his mojo but i remember going into halftime being like okay we're good Everything's fine. We're doing good. This We're is, still this in is, this. This is, a, this is a fun still game to tight. enjoy. And then 17-0 run from Philadelphia to start the third. And I'm sitting there. I'm going, Ugh. like just like the only thing you can do is sigh at that point because you knew. We all knew. Everyone knew. The players knew, right? And there's there's so many little things about this game and the way that our season ends that frustrate me. But at the same time, I can't be upset. You know, we got six games of playoffs. I'm sorry, five, four games for Scott. How many games did we get for Scotty? He didn't get four, all six games. Yeah, exactly. We got four playoffs. Three and a half, games. really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At this point. The boys had an opportunity to shock, right? You know, the conversation was that they were coming back. And for a few days there, we had Philly on their heels. We really did. And we discussed it last week about how we worried about Harden. We were worried about Maxi coming back. We were worried about the boys just not keeping their composure. And unfortunately, all of that just came true. And this is why that Game 3 loss was so heartbreaking for us, right? This is why it would have been a completely different story, but we, we, can't, we can't talk about the past, right? We can only think about the future now, and the future is bright for Toronto Raptors. At the end of the day, um, you got two ways to look at this season. Um, the fact that we were, you know, kind of predicted to be the upset of the first round... The fact that, you know, people thought that we were going to easily sneak by Philadelphia. 
and then we didn't is di- very disappointing yes. and disheartening and it sucks that you know James Harden even had as good of a game as he did in game six that we let that happen that Maxi could run the floor and had some you know the games that he did in game one and two it it was sad to see but it really does highlight where our flaws are and what we need to work on which I think is is perfect for a team that most people projected for 36 37 wins absolutely we made the playoffs and that's the other hand man we overachieved to the point that people did think that we were going to beat the Sixers that a team with you know an MVP hopeful and a former MVP had to pull out all the stops just to beat us it's good to see the fact that Scotty only got in the three and a half games and was you know phenomenal the fact that he was playing on one foot it looked like at some times in those final games and he was forceful on that one foot is key um i loved his 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 presser the fact that he was itching to get back in the gym itching to get working again so uh, we got a bright future man i just think that our roster needs a little bit of tweaking which i don't know if we can do it this summer i think that the free agent crop and the the trade market is is not going to be a very great place for us you know, people always make comments about how, you know, the injuries limited us in this series. Yeah, you're not wrong, but also, guess what? Welcome to NBA playoffs. Welcome to playoff basketball, you know? You Welcome cannot... You Exactly. You cannot expect a team to be healthy through the entire postseason. You always have to be ready to know that this player or that player is not going to be a part of your rotation. Nick, there's just comments about how you can't go into the postseason with eight or nine guys anymore. You just, you just can't with... With you know the pandemic, with injuries, with everything, and so your comments about how the lessons we learned are really important. I agree. I think that you know seeing the injuries, seeing the holes that get created when certain players are missing, are very valuable to the team. And with a coach like Nick, with a front office and and Masai, the way that he's acting, like I have a lot of faith. I have I have trust in this team. But man, it hurt. It hurt to see those gaps in our team just slowly start to come as this series continued. Shout out to Masai for uh, probably <laughs> quote of the the off season for the Raptors. You know, I dream too about the the Lakers dreaming about Nick Nurse. He was absolutely phenomenal. Gotta love that guy. Um, but I think you're right, man. I think with everybody kind of seeing where our deficiencies were, and it really stemmed from our lack of shooting. I think we we need to kind of go in a shooting route. I know Thad and, and Boucher are big, quote unquote, big UFAs. I don't know if we if we technically go back and get them. They were great and they provided a lot of great things for us during this run, but they also overlap with a lot of what we have. And so, personally, I think we need to look for a way to get a traditional center, a traditional big body center and another guard three-point player. I don't know if Armani Brooks is going to be enough to step up into that role next year, if Champagny is going to be able to get into that role next year. Um, Delano Banton, you know, another year of development. But we need those guys to really work on spot-up shooting, three-pointers, and, you know, really figure out how they're going to meld into this roster because that's what we need, man. That And we need a seven-footer on the roster, if not just to play guys like Embiid. They don't have to be offensive superstars, just somebody big to bang down low. It's summer of speculation time, right? 
the free agency class ain't that great. There's not some amazing teams. Your comments about Boucher and Thad, I think, are reasonable. I look at the front office trying to find the things that we need, and worst case, Ontario, if they're not available, Boucher's a great option to bring back. Thad's a great veteran to bring back. So it really is going to be all about speculation. Can we make a trade? Can we do this? Can we do that? Who's available? Who's not available? Like Classic off-season time. But at the end of the day, our young core is solid. I really hope that the boys can go out, have their summers, you know, go relax for a week, obviously, but get together at some points if you can. Let's keep Raps culture going. Let's get some chemistry before the season begins because I'm excited, man. I'm excited for the future of this team and where we're going to go. Buddy, if Scotty can just be like a 30% shooter from deep next year on a higher clip of attempts, that's when we're going to be good. Because I, I honestly think that you know that they let him shoot the ball. That's what really beat us at the end there. They were like, you know, Scotty's your worst three-point shooter. He's going to be the guy that we leave open. And he went one of seven in that game six. Um, and it was a it was a massive reason for why we lost because they were taking away his, you know, being able to create for yeah. others and, and being able to hit the middies because they know that he can do those things. So they, they forced him into three-point attempts. And he did shoot 30% this year on 2.6 attempts, but I need those attempts up to like four. Yeah. And I still need the 30%, if not more. So... If he can do that, I've got high hopes for this team, man. Because, again, I think that we have the number one guy in-house in Scotty. It's just we now need to elevate him to get there. And I'm also hoping for a, a full, healthy season from OG. Because the guy isn't... I don't think he's ever had a full, healthy season. He's always been dealing with this, this, that. And we see those moments. We know that they exist. But the rhythm never gets there for him. That consistency never gets there for him. So... I have hope for What's the boys. Career high in games. 46. 74 in his rookie okay. season. He started 62. His, <laughs> he's hit 69 games before, um, but the last two seasons he hasn't played over 48 games. This is where my brain is. I'm only thinking about what I've seen recently, right? Like, Yeah. I don't know, man. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm just excited that, you know, the the comments from these post-game pressers, you know, Masai, the amount of winning that he talks about, you know, Scotty, how all he wants to do is win, win, win. Like, the future is bright. There's going to be some exciting times. And I'm sad that it's over because now, again, it's just summer of speculation for Raptors. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's something that we're going to have to think about for a long time. You know, where we're going with this, who we have to add to the roster, who we're taking off the roster. It's sad, man. The Raptors are, are done. But hey, always next season. And. Again, we thought the, the ceiling of this team was the second round. We didn't quite hit the ceiling, but we were darn near close. So that's that's great to see, and hopefully next year we can get, like, 55 wins. Right? From second round in the playoffs to thinking about who we're going to take in the second round in the draft this year. Hopefully he's a stud, maybe. It's going to be really interesting. But, yeah, man, that's that's really it for me when it comes to Raps Chat today. Yeah, same, man. You know I want that kid from Arizona. That center, I want him in the second round. We need some tall boys to go with our tall boy lineup. Some taller boys to go with their tall boys. But let's, Big let's... and thick, man. <laughs> Absolutely. But, yeah, let's move along. Let's talk about some hot takes. Let's talk about some pistons. Wow, let's talk about some predictions. Jeez, I'm in 
Detroit. The Pistons. I don't even know. Why am I thinking about Detroit? Maybe I still want Cade Cunningham, not the point. All right, my prediction of the week. I'm looking at Jaw. I'm looking at this Grizzlies team. They got two games against the Warriors here. They're going to win one of them. They're going to take back home court. Will they win the series? Time will tell, but I'm confident one out of two is coming out of these boys. Oh, wow. That's a that's a pretty bold prediction. Um, I think the not-so-bold prediction that I'm going with is Dallas falls down to 0-2 tonight. Um, I think Phoenix holds home court and probably even steals a game out in, in Dallas to make it 3-1, 3 So tough one for Dallas, but going down 0-2 tonight. Sorry, guys. And just the extra prediction, Miami going to sweep Philly. Brooms. Anyways, I'm I'm interested to see with the you know if the Suns can get through in six games against the Mavs. Like, what was the harder series for them? The Pelicans or the Mavs? Right. Obviously, the superstar and Luca is more to deal with, but they had their hands full in the first round. Either way, exciting times in basketball for us, Matt. Anything else from you? Nah, man. I think you're good to wrap us up. Perfect. Well, thanks everybody for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at the Board Sports. Like, subscribe, give us that thumbs up. And check out theboardsports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.